It's time for a new evolution in raising golfers, one that doesn't involve headaches, tears, or heading down the path of unknown. Whether you're trying to introduce children to the game of golf, help them play competitively, or play at a collegiate level, you're in the right place. This show is for any parent, player, or coach who wants to build a better team at home and on the golf course. This is the Raising Golfers Podcast. Hey, what's up, everyone? I am your host, Travis Hauser, and if you are in the San Diego area, come check out the course I'm at, Rancho Carlsbad Golf Club. It's a family-friendly golf course with 18 holes of all par threes, great for the whole family, and if you're working on those distance wedges, it's a great challenge. Now, I'm always thinking of ways on how to grow the game, and a number of years ago, I came across this Facebook group called Grow the Game Initiative, which shares stories and information on exactly that. Today, Rich O'Brien, who started this group, comes and shares how he is growing the game of golf in so many ways. Parents, one thing, they can be great caddies on there. They can be great encouragers. You know, a lot of the coaching, obviously, should be up with, with the professional staffs at that point. And, and creating that environment of fun. Um, that's one thing I think Michelle Holmes does better than anybody. She creates a great environment of fun along those lines and uh, work that way. Go out and have fun more than anything else. So that's one thing that we do for PGA Hope above all else. It's, it's anything that diminishes our fun, uh, it's illegal at that point. We make, we make it fun. Rich was a great golfer. He played in the college golf team. He was even a golf coach, um, a college golf coach. And he had been just involved in the game of golf for so many years. Now, at some point, he had an accident on the golf course that paralyzed him from the neck down. And that changed everything in his life and what he does for the game today. Today, he's going to share so many great stories and information with us about how we can all work together to grow the game. Rich, welcome to the Raising Golfers podcast. I'm excited to have you on. Oh, happy to be on. Thank you for asking me here. And any, any way we can grow the game is a great, great combination. So. Absolutely. And so, you know, I've followed the Facebook page that you, I believe, created or heavily involved in, which is Grow the Game Initiative. And mm-hmm. I, I think you would agree with me here. We're saying that new player development is the lifeblood of the golf industry. Absolutely. Us as coaches, you know, we've got to be finding ways to contribute to encourage and develop all types of things in related to, in relation to the golf industry to keep these players involved in the game. So what I would like to hear from you first is what you feel the state of the game is right now in today's world. Okay. Well, well, right now during the pandemic, the, the industry has really been a, a great lifeblood for uh, therapy for a lot of individuals, especially that have been in their houses for way too long and, and not having the camaraderie that they need. Golf is such a great vehicle for, for camaraderie and, and a therapeutic modality that uh, it really has benefited during the pandemic. Golf courses, at least in this part of the country, I know, are, are busier than they've been in 25 years. Uh, so that's been a great combination. And, and you, know, you follow the, the Grow the Game page, but you know, that Grow the Game page actually started uh, as an offshoot of the golf therapy page that I originally started. And my, uh, my feeling that one of the great areas of growth for the game is individuals with disabilities. 
Uh, individuals with injuries, illnesses, or challenges such as PTSD, loss of limb, traumatic brain injury, recovering from stroke. A lot of golfers that had left the game, that lapsed from the game, uh, part of what it is is the golf industry needs to get them back in the game, and there's only a limited real amount of time really to do that. Uh, based on the statistics from the National Golf Foundation. So as a member of the National Alliance for Accessible Golf uh, uh, Board of Directors, my, my thought on that side was we need to do everything we can to get millions of golfers back into the game. So from a player development standpoint, we also need to talk about uh, getting golfers back in the game, not just right. developing totally new players. So that's another right. area of, of that to talk about, right? Absolutely. So, you know, um, I think all those things are fantastic in those areas that you focus on and try to get people involved in the game of golf. With junior golfers, what do you see we need to be doing to get more junior golfers involved in the game? And that can be, uh, you know, maybe not even saying junior golfers, but just children. What is it you think we need to get children into the game? Well, absolutely. You know, uh, the same things that we do, a lot of our, our PGA Hope instructors, you know, are helping our Patriots Everywhere Golf Therapy programs. They're also first team instructors and are also junior league uh, coaches on that side. And one, one of the initiatives we have for uh, the National Alliance for Accessible Golf is actually getting uh, more individuals with disabilities, children with disabilities playing the game of golf through the through the first tee, through the PGA Junior League on that side there. Um, when you see some individuals, some kids doing it, uh, it gives other kids the idea that they can do it as well. And that's a beautiful thing. But from a standpoint of player development, you know, individuals uh, like Michelle uh, Holmes and, and some of the different programs that they do on that side that are they're very much um, – yeah, different things on Instagram, different things on Facebook and showing others how to do it. It's about having fun. It's about, you know, showing smiling faces. It's it's about kids learning quickly uh, and enjoying the, the camaraderie around it. And uh, when kids find out that it's cool to play golf, that's a good thing. When they enjoy doing it, they're going to be lifetime players. Um, you know, that, that's the combination there. And, and here in Charleston, we're very, very active in junior golf programs as well. And uh, I, I just love to see new players coming to the game, whether it's the juniors, it's, it's women, it's veterans, it's, it's others that way and coming back to the game too. And that's important. I 100% agree. If, if you're a parent listening to this podcast and let's say you have a child who hasn't ever touched a golf club or you have a child with disabilities or you have a child who has some type of maybe anxieties or, or things that you might feel might be issues getting into a sport like the game of golf, what advice would you give them to go out and find programs? And what advice would you give them to encourage them to get out and start playing the game? Well, there's, you know, the number of, of kids with autism right now is, is very large on that side. The you know, numbers have skyrocketed in the last uh, few decades along those lines. And, you know, from a standpoint, you know, having uh, caring individuals uh, that are patient, you know, from that side there with a junior league team or a first tee program or even a Special Olympics type program, you know, that's a, a very important combination. Perry Green, our lead professional for Westcott Golf Club, uh, about nine years ago, had, had took an autistic child underneath his wing 
And that totally changed the kid's life as well as Perry's life from a standpoint where uh, this young man you know, blossomed. He became the uh, eagle scout for the uh, the first tee. He went to the highest ranked uh, individual in South Carolina. And, and, you know, he became our first volunteer for PGA Hope. This is a, a great kid by the name of Ricky Martin. And now he's gone on to college. He's gone on to get a, a, a master's degree as well in computers. And he was, you know, totally in his shell back nine years ago. And, and that's a beautiful thing on there. And, and we have more and more kids like that. Uh, with autism, with other challenges that, that will come to the game if there is a, a attitude of caring uh, and patience from, from the teaching staff. And, and I think that's the environment we've created here in Charleston. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's something you're trying to share as well with the rest of the golf community with this uh -huh. page that you've created, or you have multiple pages on Facebook, but right. to, to basically let golf coaches, parents, all adults know that there's a lot of different ways to get different types of people into the game of golf. And it's something that we should be doing and not discouraging, but more encouraging people to get into the game. Right. Right. And definitely, you know, you've got a lot of, a lot of golf professionals that, that want to focus on, you know, touring professionals or, or individuals that have that get at the top of the game, but the game of golf has such a wide spectrum of individuals that, you know, from that side, you know, some, a, a teaching professional could have a, a, a nice niche by working with individuals that have challenges and, and working there. You get the adaptive training. You do the junior programs as well. And, and you can do very well in the teaching professional just, just, just by working on all these other different groups. And, and I love to see uh, more and more come to that uh, and more professionals get trained how to do work with different communities with different challenges. Uh, yeah, I think that's, I, I, I think that's spot on and I totally agree. Now, not everybody goes down the same direction of golf coaching. Like you said, some focus on wanting to go towards coaching tour professionals, but I want to focus on you. How did you get into this realm of golf coaching? And I know you've got a fascinating story behind this. So I'd, I'd love for you to share that. Okay. Well, you know, I was, uh, you know, I played college golf, University of Miami. I walked onto the team down there. Uh, there was always, uh, you know, we had such a great squad down there with, with three guys that went on to play on the tour on that, that end of it there. But uh, from a standpoint, I became an assistant golf coach after I injuring myself my senior year. And I was assistant coach there for a number of years, worked with some really good players and built a program at Barry University in uh, Miami Shores. And that program has now gone on. Uh, my successor has, has taken that to new heights, but I started a fundraising plan and, and a, a plan to make that the number one program in Division Two, And it has uh, on there. I didn't stay long enough to get that done because I came up here to, to Charleston to run some golf courses. Uh, uh, did that for a number of years as, as well, but then had an accident myself in 2008 down at Cacique, down at Kiowa Island. I was uh, in a golf cart here, and, and as it went down a steep hill, turned hard left, I went hard right, and my uh, shoulder and neck hit a curb that was two inches. Uh, as a result of that, I, I broke my neck, broke my back, had four skull fractures, brain damage in every lobe of my brain, multiple strokes, multiple aneurysms, completely tore up my shoulder, died three times at the scene. 
you know, something you wouldn't want to happen to anybody at that point. But uh, uh, they were able to revive me three times. Uh, then they called in the life flight. Uh, they had paralyzed me. They put me in a coma. Coast Guard helicopter, luckily, was nearby. That got me to the Medical University of South Carolina. I was on life support for uh, a number of days on that side. They never expected me to recover. Uh, they expected me to be a paralyzed vegetable. That kind of was a wake-up call. When I, when I woke up from my coma, I was paralyzed from the neck down, unable to communicate. Um, scared me to death. That, that's the source of my PTSD right there, that scene. Time and time again, it would replay in my head. Uh, so I was very motivated uh, from a standpoint when I eventually got my feeling back in my fingers and toes, I was extremely motivated to be able to learn how to walk and talk again. And I wanted to walk a thousand miles and see where that got me. And I wanted to play golf again. And I didn't care how much therapy it took to do that. Uh, on the one year anniversary of my accident, uh, at the exact moment of my death, 527, the year before, uh, I finished the thousandth mile in my walk to recovery. No way. On the ninth green, on the ninth green, the first round I was able to play, uh, and, and it was an amazing thing. So uh, my pastor and I said a, said a prayer of thanksgiving on how far I had come, but I still had a, a severe addiction to pain meds. I still had chronic PTSD, chronic pain, chronic inflammation chronic fatigue, chronic sleep disorder, and epilepsy. And my doctors really didn't give hope to, to overcome any of that. Over the course of a number of years, using golf as therapy, uh, was actually a, t a term I coined uh, with my, my orthopedic surgeon. Uh, I was able to find ways to mitigate my PTSD through acupuncture. I was able to uh, overcome my chronic pain through scalp acupuncture. And uh, I uh, started to, to work through and get over my addiction as well through acupuncture. So it took me four years and it took me 12,000 hours of rehab, but I was able to overcome those challenges. And then a Navy veteran who goes to my church, he said, do you think you could teach me how to play golf? And he's paralyzed on the left side of his body. I said, I'll help you any way I can. And uh, that was nine years ago. And uh, it all started at the PGA Championship. 2012 at Kiowa Island, our first outing together at that point. And uh, this man decided he wanted to, to take golf on and he wanted to walk 36 holes and shoot in the 80s. At the time, he could walk three holes and he was shooting in the 130s. Six months later, guess what he did? I'm going to guess he hit his goal. Well, he, he, he walked 36 holes with, with, with 100 people watching. No way. And he shot 85 in the first round. Wow. He improved 50 shots in six months. That's and he amazing. Walked 36 holes. And, and the Golf Channel picked up our story. And then the PGA of America saw our story and said, We want you guys to champion the chapter of PJ Hope Charleston. And, uh, and that was six years ago. And uh, it's been an amazing ride. And now PJ Hope Charleston is the largest chapter in the country. We're about to have 600 graduates. We have uh, six host sites here in Charleston. Uh, on that, that side as well. And right now I have over 240 veterans active in clinics going on right now. So uh, it's been a, a journey, let's put it that way. But uh, the things I learned on my own road to recovery, I've been able to teach to others. And to date, uh, more than a dozen have told me that they're alive today because of it. So 
you know, in my pain, uh, there has been a blessing for others. So it's been an interesting element. That's an amazing story. And, you know, I'm sure for your students, you are a complete role model in so many different ways because of what you've been through, the experiences you've had, the challenges you've overcome, and then to be able to share how, uh, share your experiences and help people overcome some of the problems or issues that they've had to go through and use, like you said, golf as therapy. And I think that's amazing. And I think a lot of us, even scaling that back, you know, tenfold from what you are doing and people that you are working with, even from people who are just getting into the game of golf or playing the game as already, I think we could change our mindset and start to use golf more as therapy as opposed to something that frustrates us or something that makes us angry or something that we want to walk away from. Mm -hmm. How would you say, or what advice would you give people to start using golf as therapy to help us enjoy life, enjoy the game more to help us all out? Is there anything you could share with us that could, you know, something we could like walk away with or something that we can think about and resonate on? Sure. From a standpoint, you take a look at the game of golf from, from a standpoint, you're out there with friends, you're out, out there you know, competing with others as well. You're in the sunshine, you're getting exercise, you got some of the most beautiful scenery in the country. You know, sometimes you just got to stop and smell the, smell the roses and take a look at the setting that you're in. And, and you know, when you walk, you lose, you get so many calories you burn as well. You play better when you walk too. At least that's my experience from that, that side. Sometimes riding in a golf cart is the last thing you want to do. And somebody that got ejected from a golf cart, that's, I'll never be a passenger in a golf cart, but that's another story. But, Understandable. Uh, from, from a standpoint as well, you know, for golf is such a mindset anyway. And you want to be able to focus on the narrow, smallest possible targets. You, you want to be able to, to be in the present moment. And you know, golf teaches all of these things. And, and, you know, as my degree is in sports psychology, so I, I focus more on the pre-shot routines. And, and you take a look at, for some of our veterans, you know, that are you know, working on that side of it there by being able to get them go through a pre-shot routine, sort of, sort of like, Pia Nielsen and, and Lynn Marriott talk about think box and a play box where you separate you know, the different parts of your thinking and then you, then you step into the play box and you're focused on the target. These are wonderful elements and tools that, that every golfer could use to clear their mind, to be able to, to control how they think. Um, the, the purpose of a pre-shot routine is to be decisive. Who who wouldn't benefit from being decisive on that side? Yeah. Our veterans especially benefit. Many of them even talk about improving, you know, they, they, their road rage is lessened. You know, they don't have as much indecisiveness uh, at other times because they learn to take the pre-shot routine thought process and the positive mental attitude to the rest of their life and transfer it. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of elements of golf that can be transferred uh, to the rest of your life if you allow it. You know, some people get so upset when they play that golf is the most frustrating game out there. But, you know, if you're not a professional, why is somebody trying to act like a professional on that side? You know, if, if you're a really good player playing for money, yeah, you know, that, that element would be one thing. But even the best players in the world benefit from a much better mental attitude and being their own best friend on the golf course. Uh, I'm sure you've experienced that as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it made me think of a quote from Dr. Bob Rotella is he said, the best decision is the decisive decision. 
Uh-huh. And I think that's that's huge. And, and you can take that away from just golf, but I think also you can implement that just in general life skills, right? And right. I think it's very important that you say that. And that's, that's a huge thing that kind of resonated with me when you just said that about how golf can be so therapeutic in so many different ways. And there's so many skills we take out of the game that aren't just for the game, but for life, right? Absolutely. And and when I was coaching Fred Gutierrez, my partially paralyzed you know, first protege there, the amazing thing was I, I, I taught him the sports psych side, but we used the, the, uh, the movie Seven Days in Utopia with Dr. David Cook. And we also used Dr. Rotella's books, audio books. And I had Fred listen to these things. And, and as Fred listened to these audio books over and over again, it was like he was getting counseling for his PTSD. And he could mm-hmm. definitely transfer those skills to his whole life. And it, tra- it radically transformed his whole life at that point. Uh, and it's been an amazing combination. We've used a, a lot of the a lot of Rattel- Dr. Rotello's stuff and Dr. Cook's stuff for our veterans. And that, that's one great way to definitely improve quality of life. I'll put the I'll put in the show notes as well some of those links with the Dr. Bob Rotella books, and I'll also put in Pia and Lynn Vision Fifty Four stuff. They're actually going to be coming on the podcast here in the next week, so I'll look okay. forward to also having them on, and they'll share some more in, uh, information about some of those things that you even talked about there, which is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Now, Rich, if you could give some advice for us adults for working with children, mm-hmm. what would be your advice for how involved we should be with our children in the game of golf? Um, From a standpoint, you know, um, parents, you know, a lot of times can uh, be problematical, shall we say, uh, for the kids from that standpoint. If if the kids aren't having fun, uh, that that's a, that's an issue there. And the parents, um, one thing, they can be great caddies on there. They can be great encouragers. You know, a lot of the coaching obviously should be up with, with the professional staffs at that point and, and creating that environment of fun. Um, that's one thing I think Michelle Holmes does better than anybody. She creates a great environment of fun along those lines and uh, work that way. But, uh, you know, that that's uh, one side. But from a parent perspective, you know, a lot of times the parents try to live through the kids and put certain expectation levels on it. That's why, unfortunately, some of the kids walk away from the game. And uh, that, that's that side of it there. But the advice is to always be encouraging. The advice would be go out and have fun more than anything else. So that's one thing that we do for PGA Hope above all else. It's, it's anything that diminishes our fun, uh, it's illegal at that point. We make we make it fun. And, and that's what, you know, the the veterans joke around with each other. The kids will joke around with each other as well. And, and that, that's the important thing. But, you know, the competition, you know, keep competition in perspective as well. That, that, that would be the other, other perspective of it. You know, don't expect the kid to go out and get a college scholarship just starting out at, the, at that side. You know, that, that would be getting a little ahead of yourself at that point. Some of the kids will develop those skills and they may be able to do it, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't try and force a kid to do anything. And, and uh, I would teach kids up the, from age three and up if it's the child that is self-motivated, not if the parent wants to just force them to play at that point. Yeah, I think you shared some good advice there. And is there something in particular you think parents should be looking for in junior golf programs that are in their local area? 
you know, fr from a standpoint, I, I think, you know, what I would look at is I, I would like to have the kids talk to the parents, talk to the other parents, talk to the other kids, you know, word of mouth advertising, are the kids having fun? You know, that, that would be the, the biggest thing. You can see where kids are having fun, those programs grow. Where kids are not having fun, they don't grow, do they? You know, and certain, certain courses really attract our magnets for, for fun and kids. And I, w I would look at those, probably there's a good reason for it. They create mm -hmm. an environment, right? Wouldn't you agree? 100%. Yeah, I talk about, we, actually, I had an episode last season, and it was the, the title was The Power of Environment and Community. And basically uh -huh. just speaking all about the things that maybe we don't even think about sometimes or we don't know it's actually there, but it's really there and how powerful that really is and how much a junior golfer or just humans thrive in a positive learning environment, how much they thrive feeling like they're part of the community where they're contributing or they're getting things out of the community. And in junior golf programs, I think it's huge to have those two things within the junior golf program. So that uh -huh. everybody feels like it's home, they feel safe, they feel it, they feel comfortable, and it's a place that they want to be, and uh -huh. how they can then take their game to the next level if that's what they want to do. If uh -huh. they're there just to have fun, they can still be there, have fun, and enjoy it for as long as they want. But it gives a lot of different opportunities for everybody just within having a positive environment and community. Right. And, and, and that's what I talk about with our veterans, too, is we always want to take their game to the next level. And, and if they're you know, starting off, we've had veterans start in the 150s and now are shooting in the 80s. And, and they've done it, you know, just stepping stone approach. And, and, you know, they learn things that improve the quality of their life and their life skills. But their golf game also improves at the same time. And at the same time, they're having a, a wonderful time with a bunch of veterans. And for veterans that were separated from uh, the military and their family doesn't understand the experience of PTSD, you know, that's been a wonderful environment in and of itself where they're now connected again. And they, they, they know a veteran has their back. And, and those lifelong friendships that could start in junior golf could be the same way along the line. I love what you've done so far in your career and the route that you've gone on. I'm sure you would never have predicted 20, 30 years ago. And I think for you, there's probably no looking back on what you've done and you're going to continue to try to grow the game of golf in ways that a lot of people aren't. And I hope that more people get involved in growing the game in a similar way that you are. Uh -huh. Now, Rich, if people want to find out more information about you, where could they find more information about what you're up to? Well, you know, I have a, a fairly, fairly large groups on Facebook here with the golf therapy pages, as well as the grow the game on LinkedIn. I have one of the largest accounts, so rich O'Brien golf. And I just take a look and, and on, on the internet and do a hashtag rich O'Brien golf. If you want. And I, I, I try and brand it the same way across the board. Uh, we're in the midst of having a website for PGA hope Charleston uh, next couple of weeks on that side there. That would be very good. Uh, so, uh, uh, they can they can find me that way, or they can just uh, uh, email me at richobriangolf at gmail dot com, and I'll be happy to 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 talk to them at that point. That's awesome. Now, if you could summarize everything you 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 said today, what would be your final words of inspiration for raising golfers? The the game of golf should be fun at all times. The game of golf 
can be one of the best endeavors that anyone ever has on there. Uh, children that learn to play the game of golf at a young age tend to get in less trouble. I was one like that, that side there. I, I was so engrossed in the game of golf that I would spend hours in our backyard, just a couple acres on there and, and fascinated with hitting golf balls, uh, pursuing excellence at that point there. And, and just the feeling of a golf ball can be just a wonderful uh, combination. But from raising golfers, parents should set the environment, be encouraging. And when a child does not do well, it's a learning experience. The next time they'll, they'll get better. Uh, you can, you can have lessons for the child and, and, and having a good instructor that you trust that's caring with the kids. is just, just a wonderful blessing that, that can be at that point there. Parents may not be able to teach, uh, but a, a professional in the area can do very well. Perfect. Rich, thank you so much for joining us here on the Raising Golfers podcast, sharing your story and your experience and wisdom in growing the game and look forward to continuing following what you're doing. And I'm, I'm just so happy that a person like yourself has been able to influence so many people and be able to do it through the game of golf. So thank you. Thank you. And uh, been been wonderful being on, Travis. Thank you. All right, Rich O'Brien shares his fascinating story of adversity and so many great things to learn from what he has done for the game of golf. Now, Rich talks about how golf is therapy for many people of all walks of life. Now, if you just take a moment, no matter how good or bad you are playing golf right now, just think about that. Realize how great a sport it is and how much enjoyment you really get out of it. We should all feel so lucky that we have found this great game and I hope we can introduce it to everyone around us. Rich talked a lot about how he works with players of all walks of life. I want that to be a motivation to you and all of your friends, family, coworkers, students, or acquaintances to get them into the game no matter what. We can find a way to help them have positive experiences and love the game of golf forever. If you enjoy listening to our podcast and the information you got from this episode, do us a favor and continue to support us by hitting that subscribe button and giving us a five-star review. Your continued support will help us continue to grow and be able to interview some of the most experienced parents, coaches, and players in the golf industry to help you continue to raise your golfer to their full potential.